go with what the Holy Spirit wants for today. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Welcome, everyone. It's my favorite season of the year, daylight savings time. Everybody else kind of disagrees with me, but I'm different. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we just come boldly before your throne room of grace in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for the power, the anointing, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. I thank you, God, that the word that goes forth this morning will permeate our very being, will, will, is something we will never forget. As we go through these times that we're in, Father God, that we will realize that there is a way that you desire us to walk, and that is in holiness, in true holiness. Your word says, be holy as you are holy. And so God, I thank you that as you have planned this day, you have prepared this service, you have anointed me to proclaim the uncompromised word with authority. I thank you that signs will follow your word. And if there be anything in our lives, Father God, that we need to get under the blood, Father God, we thank you for that we have 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all and any unrighteousness. Father, we bind every demonic spirit, every principality and power who would try to come and steal the word immediately. And we loosen the power and the anointing of God in our midst. We thank you, Father God, that as this sermon goes out into the airways, whoever is a hearer of this word, not only hears this word, but becomes a doer of it also. That this word was sent to set the captives free. And so I, I speak over each one of us. Shalom, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. And I thank you, God, that our lives will be changed today because of the word. Your word says in Psalms 107, 19, and 20, they cried unto the Lord and that you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from all and any destruction. So I thank you, Father God, that we are a word people. We stand on the word. We do nothing outside of the word. And so we thank you for the privilege that we have, Father God. Holy Spirit, teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and turn to Psalms 50. I don't have a, um, it's Pastor Colum Nugget. I don't know if you could give a nugget for this one this morning, because it's the title of this sermon, Holiness. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And it says, work out after you're born again that you are to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And Dan um, spoke this morning on Psalms 1. 1. And I, you know, keep your hand there in, in um, Psalms 50. But let's go ahead and go to Psalms 1. 1. And let's look at what this says. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes, nor stands submissive or inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. But his delight and desires are in the word of the Lord, and in his word, the precepts and instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. 
and he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. This is a promise. Then he goes on to say, Not so the wicked, those disobedient and living without God are not so, but they are like the chaff, or the chaff, worthless, dead, without substance, when the wind drives, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked, those disobedient and living without God, shall not understand, shall not stand justified in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with God. For the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly, those living outside God's will, shall perish and in ruin and come to naught. And so we see that there is a line drawn right down the middle. You have the righteous and the godly, and you have the ungodly. Well, the ungodly are always, or the enemy, using the ungodly, some people he doesn't have to really use um, too, too much because people are, are already, Christians, a lot of Christians are already one foot into the world and one toe with Jesus. And so it doesn't take a lot. But I want us to go back and look at what this says. In verse 1 it says, Is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly following their advice? their plans and their purposes, nor stand submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk. So if you are inactive or if a person, I don't believe any of us are here are in this category, or if you are inactive and sinners are walking around you, you, you just become submissive to their desires. And it's very simple if you don't keep yourself filled with the word. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot in this hour because the Bible says that Satan comes immediately to steal the word from you. And so we have to be on guard and on watch continually. If we know that we have made a, a, a desire and a promise before God that I will serve you and I will follow you no matter what, no matter who's around, no matter what they do, I am not going to become a part of it. You will look straight on and not allow yourself to be pulled left and right or back and forth, but you will look straight on to the things of God. Amen? But then it talks about um, relaxing and resting with the scornful and where the mockers gather. We are, we are not to rest and relax with those that are not saved. And as we get into this, I will, I'll share a little bit more on, on what the Lord showed me this morning. It's, it's kind of funny, but in some ways it's not. I have my iPad and my other stuff up here, so I've got some things out of it I want to share. And let's go ahead and look at Psalms 50. And... I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version, this verse. Verse 16. God addresses those that might be called, and it's, I'm going to spell the word P-S-E-U-D-O, believers. Pseudo, you got it. He said they were reciting his decree and pretending to obey his covenant. He called the pseudo-Christians those that pretend to obey his covenant. They're great pretenders. You know, when they're with the believers, they can say the right things, they can act like it, but deep down, there's, their desire is to be amongst the worldly and do the things of the world, Okay. And so God, the thing about God is he knows everybody's heart. He knows our thoughts. You know, when I learned that, I thought, wow, that's why 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 is so important, or 5 
casting down imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity everything to the obedience of Christ. So let's look and see what it says. Um, we're going to look at the New Living Testament for a second. So he addresses their compromise and worldliness saying, You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. This phrase, you thought that I was altogether like you, has captured the attention of believers for years, and it should be capturing us today. It raises some vital questions. How do we perceive God? Do we see God for who he really is, or do we fabricate a God that is compatible with the comfort zone of our flesh? And I have found, and I hate to say this, that many of the Christians that I run into, and even on Facebook, I hate to say this, their idea of what God is, approves of and is okay with does not go along with the word. And I was very surprised this week on how many people felt it was all right to celebrate Halloween. And, and really, there was a put down to those that didn't. And I was truly amazed at, at how many people put down the believers that stood on the word of God concerning what it talks about in Deuteronomy, what it talks about in the scriptures about Halloween and witches and warlocks and necromancers and whatever. They felt that this was just not true. I read some of it to Pastor and he, he, he started giving me scriptures and I said, there's no sense. I'm, I'm not on this to battle people. I'm on this to give the word out. But you know, it's true. Do we see God for who he really is? You might want to write this down. Or you, might, you are going to have the opportunity, I guarantee you, to share this with someone with probably within this week. Okay? Do you see God for who he really is? Or do you fabricate a God that is compatible with the comfort zone of your flesh? You know, we can try to fold God into our mold, but he will not, he will not put his place, as we just saw in Psalms 1, 1. He tells you exactly who you are not to hang around with and what will happen to those people. Well, what do you think happens to us if we bring ourselves in the position where we are fellowshipping with them, you know, it, it talks about who you fellowship with, you will become. You know, either you're going to bring that person to Jesus, only, or they're going to bring you to the things of the enemy back, and especially for a person that has backslidden. I'm going to share this a bit, little bit. Master shared with, with this with me. And I, I can, you know, the Lord, I don't like to bring him up. He doesn't like to bring me up. But when he first came back to the Lord, of course, the church he was in, they never had midweek services or other services. They just had Sundays or whatever else they did. And when he backslid, he got out into the world. He didn't get way out in the world. But when we came to the Lord, it was hard for him to... I, I guess I should give you a mic so you can explain it better. But was, it was hard for him to be faithful at times. Sunday morning was fine, but because of his job schedule also, it was very difficult. But the more he got in the Word of God, actually, when we got into the Word of Faith, the couple that God sent to our city to bring the Copeland tapes and Jerry Seville tapes and Kenneth Hagin tapes, when he got into the Word of God and really locked himself up with the Word of God, there was a tremendous change in his life. 
But I remember the time because it was the best service our church ever had. And I hope you don't mind me sharing this this morning because it's okay. Um, he wanted to stay home and watch a Bears game. It was on a Sunday night. And so he picked a tremendous fight with me. Well, I, rem I can remember that clearly because the Lord reminded me of it of today. I had a choice. I had a choice to stay home or to pack up the boys and, and take off with them. And I said, I'm going to church. And so we went to church and it was the most fantastic service that church had ever had, ever, bar none. People got healed, people got saved, almost the whole church, no one touched them. I would say probably 70% of the church fell out under the, under the power of God. Things happened. Our friend's daughter was miraculously healed of a, a malignant tumor in her brain. I mean, things supernaturally happened that night. And we all came home and told him, wow, it was so powerful, especially the kids. You didn't see this stuff in the church I was born again in. There was an evangelist there. And I remember pastor telling me later that I was so miserable that whole time. So we can't put God in the comfort, the comfort zone of our flesh. Do you all understand where I'm coming from? And we've all done this at times. So let's look at this a little bit. We see ourselves as great. We do ourselves a great disservice if we fall, fail to see God's greatness, majesty, and awesomeness. God, who wants to elevate our vision of himself, said in Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. Let's turn there. You know, God knew exactly what was going to happen in the last days, and that's why he said, forsake not the assembling, even so much more as you see the evil day approaching. This morning, people should have been here early because we had an extra hour of sleep. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's get out here. I'm going to read this in the New Living Testament. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? In the um, Amplified, it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from the heavens and return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect unless but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Well, you know, for years we've been called name and claim it, word of faith, whatever, and people have put down us speaking forth the word of God, but here God says this is the way he works. He works through his word. He moves. When we speak forth his word in faith, it moves God, and we will, we will see the blessings come. Praise the Lord. A.W. Tozer said, So necessary to the church is a lofty concept of God that when that concept in any measure declines, the church with her worship and moral standards declines along with it. The first step down for any church is taken when it surrenders its high opinion of God. And that is sad. 
you see today, people are doing things that they would have never done years ago in the church. It's become a, um, like a Starbucks. You can come in, buy coffee, buy a donut or whatever, sit outside if you don't want to go in and watch the praise and worship. You can sit out there and drink your coffee and do whatever out there while people are inside worshiping. Some churches, I know pastor was taken to a church um, by a friend of ours. When the guy walked in, he put his earphones on. The pastor looked at him like, well, why are you doing that? Earplugs, I'm sorry, earplugs on. He's thinking, well, why is he doing that? He said, well, the music was so loud, he couldn't, couldn't concentrate on it. I, I remember I had taken a group of ladies over to a meeting where they were playing worldly music and the women with me. I didn't know the worldly music before we ever started, but nowadays, like I shared a few weeks ago, through Randy Greer's letter, people, he's being told, you need to play Black Sabbath or what it led Zeppelin or whatever before so people can recognize the music so they can get into praise and worship. I wouldn't have that playing in my church. Can you imagine what's going to come running in with that? But see, like, and I believe you have A.W. Tozer's book, don't you? Is it one of them you have? You have so many of them. So necessary to the church is a lofty concept of God that when that concept is in any measure, in any measure, declines. The church with her worship and moral standards declines along with it. The first step down for any church is taken when it surrenders its high opinion of God. I ask you this morning, what is your opinion of God? There's a country song that talks about having a beer with Jesus. I've never heard it. While a person was seemingly respectful, it made me think about how superficial and shallow perspectives can be when it comes to seeing a holy and majestic God. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he didn't consider ordering a couple of tall ones, as, he, as the song says. Instead, he was awestruck and overcome with the holy presence of God when he encountered his glory and awesomeness. Can you imagine Jesus out there with his disciples sitting down and teaching them and popping over and open, take, grabbing a couple 12 packs and they're out there popping them and, and drinking and, and preaching the word? Let's just think about that. Or let's light up a couple joints while we're at it. Or why don't we just smoke some, you know, cigarettes and, or cigars? Or, I mean, can you imagine that? But that's how the church thinks in this hour. I hate to tell you this, church, but it's, it's okay. It's not okay. Let's see what exactly what Isaiah said. How God, what is God like? In Isaiah 6, 1. I know this is probably rough, but someone's got to tell it. Amen? We're responsible for you. I'll be honest with you. There were two things that, that, got, that I gave up immediately within six months of being born again. One was drinking and the other one was smoking. And I was up to three and a half packs of cigarettes and the drinking. I used to, I'll be honest, I hate to admit it, but I would drink and take Valium with it. Every time his mom, his mother came over. I mean, I was literally loaded. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I was whatever you want. I was a happy person. But that, all, that stuff stopped. You know what I mean? The life, the life of the world does not go on and on and on. The more words you get in there, the more it cuts out of you. It literally... It's a circumcision of the heart. Amen? Yeah. You know, I could go into circumcision and explain it, but I won't. But we've been circumcised in the heart. Is that what your Bible tells you? Amen? 
So what does that mean? All the old crud is, has to go. And so I'm preaching today, and I know I'm preaching to the choir today, so, but it, this is going out, okay? If you need to get a tape and give it to someone, get it and give it to someone. Hallelujah. I, I want to go back a, a little bit. There was a popular song in, in the 70s, and it was called, Jesus is Just All Right With Me. One of the vocalists said that no one in the band was religious or anti-religious. He said, we weren't anything. We were just musicians out playing a gig. We didn't think about the kind of stuff very often. Believers need to know that Jesus is not just all right. He is the Savior of the world, Redeemer, Healer, and Lord. Believers should shun any glib attitude that makes Jesus anything less than holy. It's the truth. We should stay away from people that, that have an attitude that Jesus is anything less than holy. Harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and higher than heaven. That's, before we get, well, remind me if I forget, we're going to go to Hebrews after this. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne. This is the New Living Testament. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. There were, they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Verse 4, their voices shook in the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. This is what our God is like. 5, then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 6, the one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. 7, he touched my lips and he said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. 8, then I heard the Lord saying, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people who will go, for the, who will go with us for us? I said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. You notice what had to be cleaned up here. His filthy mouth and his filthy lips. Anything that was not productive for the Lord. Amen? Look at Isaiah 57, 50, 59, or 15. Having been cleansed by the coal from the altar... Isaiah went on to convey messages from God of holiness to the people of Israel. Isaiah 57, 15. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the Holy One says this, I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. This world, this country needs to repent. They need repentant hearts. What is a, how do you repent? You turn from sin. You just literally turn from it. It is no more. I made a choice. It is no more. It will not be a part of me any longer. And if you do blow it, happen to blow it, you run quickly to the Lord and stand on 1 John 1, 9 and ask him to forgive you. But you line yourself right back up to where his word has called you and put you. Amen? 
You know, we need to, in this hour, place ourselves where we are with the Lord. Place ourselves and look at ourselves of who do we, what are we listening to? Jesus said, watch what you hear. Watch who you submit yourself to. Watch, watch what you are doing and, and dealing with. Amen? Who you're dealing with. Because we're going to stand before God and God alone. I can't say, well, he made me do it. The Lord's going to look at me and say, you have a mind of your own. Amen? Isaiah, um, or John, we want to consider John's encounter with the majesty of Jesus in the Isle of Patmos. How, how many remember what had happened to John? Anybody want to tell me? John was uh, in prison for not bowing to the emperor Domitian, to his statue. And so he was boiled in oil for, for his stand for God. He died. Yep. So they cast him to the Isle They just threw him and he was burned in oil. Can you imagine be, being dunked in a big vat of oil? He didn't die, so they threw him on the Isle of Patmos, thinking, well, he'll die out there. But instead, Jesus appeared to him. You know he got healed when Jesus appeared to him. Amen? Amen. Revelations. Revelation 1, 12 through 17. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And, a man, and standing in the middle of the lampstand was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were, like, were white like wool and white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all brilliance. Verse 17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. There is a reverence that we, in this church, my prayer is that we reverence God that we are a church, that we are a praising church, a worshiping church, and that we reverence God. Spending time alone with God. I don't know how much time a day you spend with God, but it's so important to at least give Him an hour a day, if not more, just you and Him. You say, well, I don't have time. Check your schedule, what all you did last, last week and who you hung around with and what you did. You know, I mean, or make one out for this week and take every hour of it. Of course, when you ahead of time start thinking about it, you make some changes if you're going to write it down. Trust me. But go back and think about your week last week and what you talked about, who you talked to, what you did, what you spoke out of your mouth. Amen. How much time did you spend with God or did you sit down and fall asleep? Praise you, Jesus. I want to give some scriptures on holiness here. And um, I want, first I want to talk a little bit about Isaiah. Isaiah, really, when you think about him, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, when you read that whole, whole chapter of Isaiah, he was given the privilege of God using him to write that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because of what he did and what, what happened to him. And he realized that I am a man of unclean lips. He turned it around where God could use him to speak forth Powerful, powerful things. You know, when you read the book of Isaiah, you, you see a godly, holy man in the midst of a very ungodly nation or ungodly people. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Okay, here we go. Um, 
1 Peter 1. Fifteen and Be as he which hath called you holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. But it, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. It says in the um, Amplified, But as one who called you holy, you yourselves also be holy in your conduct and manner of living. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, back in the days when, when I was a teenager, the people that, quote, thought they were holy, it all went, it all, a lot of it had to do with the outside. You couldn't wear makeup. You couldn't, you couldn't cut your hair. You couldn't wear jewelry. You couldn't. You know, I've shared it before. The school my mom sent me to, you couldn't wear black patent leather shoes because the, the young men could see your underwear. I thought, I, you know, even when I was in the world, I'd never known anybody like that. I know people say, yeah, I've heard this story before. But that was their idea. The early, there was a group of Pentecostals that that's what they thought. Well, they wore their hair in buns and no makeup. And I remember... It was a riot because we were supposed to wear nylons. I don't know what that was going to do to make you holy, but we had our eyebrow pencils. And I remember we would take it and draw a line up the back of our leg. And the gal, the, the dean of girls, women, was blind as a bat, so she couldn't really see it. She couldn't tell if there were nylons on or whatever. You know, we were rebellious, and we should have been wearing nylons, really. Back in those days, nylons were not a lot of fun. They did not have pantyhose but now we know what God is saying how was Jesus holy was it an outward appearance only no everything that came out of him edified God everything and everything that comes out of us should be an edification to God amen you know we live out you work out in the world you live in the world you have to deal with the world every day it's hard not to listen to what they have to say or become swayed by what they have to say. You've got to keep yourself pulled over constantly on this side, on the good side, and go back to the Word continually. This does not line up with the Word of God because there can be one little part that's out that if you don't, hear it clearly you can take it in yourself and allow it to become a part of you and once something becomes a part of you it is hard to get that thing out of there unless you discover it right away and so there are so many people in this time that we live in that are not sensitive to the spirit of God because they're not praying in the Holy Ghost you know when you pray in the Holy Ghost that allows the Holy Spirit as your teacher to rise up in you and to teach you what the Word of God says. And immediately when you hear something that is not of God, the Holy Spirit has free permission to check you and say, no, that's not right. It's kind of like a tilt. You kind of go tilt. But we've also got to take care of areas that maybe were family curses and that didn't line up with, with the word of God that we so easily can fall into. I was talking to someone recently about that. We've got to check things out and see, you know, this is the way my family did it. This is, but was it the right way? Was it God's way? Well, I guarantee you, 
way my family did it was not God's way. Okay, I can tell you that right now. The only time I heard Jesus' name or God's name had a cuss word behind it. We did, I did not hear it in a positive, worshipful way. And so I had all that garbage. Let's see, November 7th, 1971. How many years have I been saved now? Up to that time, I had all that garbage that had to get out. How do you get the garbage out? By the washing of the water of the word. That's how you get it out. How you get all the old junk that was placed in you out is through the word of God. It's the only way. Line upon line, precept upon precept, with stammering tongues while I speak to this people. You've got to take the word and you've got to pray in tongues. You've got to. You've got to take it and pray and take it and pray and take it and pray until you get it out. You've got to take every thought and bring it to Jesus. You know, it took me... When I first got saved, my mind was a polluted cesspool. I hate to say that, but it was. And I had to literally take the Word of God and line everything up with the Word. And I thank God, even though we were not Word of Faith people, I had the Word of God in front of me that I could take and, and look at and, and check things out with. And boy, I found out a lot. Practically 99% of my life was not lined up with God in the beginning. So... Let's look at this. So he's telling us, be holy as I am holy. Because it's written, be holy as I am holy. So does that mean that we run around and that I'm going to let my hair grow long and put it in a bun and don't wear makeup and run home and scream and yell and cuss and fight with my husband? No. Okay. So let's, let's go back here. A lot of people do this. They think it's okay. Um, long as, as long as it looks good on, out, on the outside, it, it's, it's okay to act like... Never mind. Scripture leads us to progressively towards an exalted view of Christ and God. Yet in the incarnation, we encounter both the humility and the approachability of God. We could not access God in our fallen condition. How many ever tried to read the Bible before you got saved? It was like Chinese. I mean, we had one. It was an old family Bible, and it sat there on the coffee table. And I might have picked it up once or twice and looked at it and said, this doesn't make any sense to me. I, you know, none. So he came to us as a person. Let's look at Philippians 2, 7. Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Hallelujah. The Living Bible says he laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like man, and he humbled himself even further, going so far as actually to die a criminal's death on the cross. To die a criminal's death on the cross. Last night I happened to turn on Christian TV and they were giving a tribute to Billy Graham, his, 50, his 75th birthday. They were get, telling him happy birthday. 95th, sorry, 95th birthday. And what people were saying was amazing. And I looked at Pastor and I said, could you ever imagine Billy Graham cursing or yelling at his wife or getting angry and throwing a fit I can't I you know I can't I can't even imagine that doesn't even I can't imagine it you know when you look at people and you see the godliness and how they're you know when you heard people that had been with him and known him for years and how they talked about his humility God help us. You know, all the great old preachers of the 
past have gone, most of them have gone home to be with the Lord. And boy, we've got some doozies out there right now preaching stuff that isn't even scriptural. And you have to be careful because it sounds good, but it's not right. Okay. All right. Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to thank him this morning. He was... You know, they played a part of one of Billy Graham's sermons last night, and it was just, a, and they played little clips, and he talked about how Jesus laid naked for us, laid there naked on the cross for us. I wouldn't want to lay naked for anybody, but he cared enough. He loved us enough. He came as a man, God-man, but he operated as a man and overcame the enemy in every aspect, in every area. Okay, Hebrews 2.17. I hope you're getting something out of this today. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every, ass, in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Do you realize when Jesus, sitting on the right hand of God, he came, he came down to earth, he understood what it was like to live here, he, understand, he understood what the sin was, he was tempted with every sin made possible to man, stuff that we've never been tempted with, thank God. I mean, when you think about every sin that man has made on this earth, Jesus was tempted with it. And yet, he's on the right hand of God, and he is our intercessor. Thank you, Jesus. He is our merciful and high priest before God. When he talks to God about us, he says, these are my brothers and sisters, and I understand the temptation that they are going through. And his blood covers us. I want you to think about, really think about this, please. When you go through temptations, he went through the very temptation you went through and overcame it. And he's, he's talking to God for you saying, I went through that very temptation they're going through. He is forever praying and interceding for us. That is so powerful. For every believer in the world, he's praying and interceding. You know, people on the other, you know, some, for some people, it's already tomorrow. I mean, really think about this, how powerful his prayers are for us. And our prayers to him, what does he say? He talks about our prayers and what they mean to him. Okay, let's look at the next one. Matthew eleven twenty-eight and thirty, or twenty-eight and thirty. In the in the incarnation, God accommodated us in His humility. Jesus said and says to everyone, "Come to me. Come to me. All ye who labor and are heavy laden." And I will give you rest. How many times do we try to work something out ourselves instead of going immediately to him? He says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your mind, your will, and emotions if you will go to him immediately. Praise God. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Jesus was so approachable that parents brought their children to him to be blessed and contrite sinners found freedom from shame and condemnation through his compassion. He was so approachable. I think about the woman whose daughter was demon-possessed. She knew she shouldn't have been there. He, he pretty much, he said, I have come for the nation of Israel. And she said, well, even the dogs get the crumbs. She, she pushed in to the approachable Jesus and her daughter was delivered immediately. If you've ever been around people that have demon-possessed children, it's sad. It's pitiful because they feel like there's no hope. That when, when one person can control a whole family and tear up a whole family and they are a child, it's the most hopeless feeling that they go through. Amen? Jesus was so approachable, so approachable. That's why he tells us, come to me immediately. Don't waste any time. Don't try to carry this thing yourself. Don't try to fix this thing yourself. John 17, 5 in the Amplified. So many people feel so much shame in this hour that we live in when they blow, blow it. They don't know where they can go. Through the incarnation, including his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus became the door and the way. But before he left this earth, he prayed something very interesting. In John 17, 5 in the Amplified. And now, Father, glorify me along with yourself and restore me to such majesty and honor in your presence as I had with you before the world existed. Hallelujah. He knew. He knew he was going to hell. He knew exactly what was going to happen, but he also knew, God, you will restore me to the majesty and honor in your presence as I had with you before the world existed. Thank God. And that is the place that we have been blessed with. And when this is all over and said and done, that is the place that we are going, we're going to be seated with him, with the Father, through eternity. I want you to think about this. Through eternity. Why would we even, <clears throat> a believer, even want to go back into the things of the world? I can't understand it. It's, it's, it's totally beyond me. I will admit, though, it took me months and months and months to decide, are you going to take this walk with Jesus? Because if you are, it's going to be 100% for the rest of your life. I mean, I really thought this thing over. I really, you know, I'm one that checks things out. Ask pastor before I buy something or whatever. I really check every aspect of it out. I checked it out. I wanted to make sure this is what I was going to do because when I chose to do this, it was for the rest of my life. There was no going back. Hallelujah. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.16. It is right and good when we see the humility and approachability that Jesus exhibited in his earthly life. But it's even greater when we follow him into his glorification and exaltation. Perhaps that is why Paul said at one in, in 2 Corinthians 5.16, At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Thank God how differently every day, every day, how differently I know him. Every day. 
He reveals himself. You know, every day, I'm going to be honest with you, there are days that I literally fight to stay here on this earth and not just go to be with him. The closer I become to him and the closer our time on this earth becomes, the more I desire to be with him. I can't explain it. I don't know about the rest of you, but you can feel it. You can feel it everywhere you go. The coming of the Lord is so soon that there's a longing to be in his presence. And so I lock myself away. My time is at at the wee hours of the morning with God just to be in his presence, just to just to experience that time with him. I don't blame anybody that's gone on to be with the Lord, you know. In John 17, 21 and 23, Jesus met us where we were so he could take us where he is. He met us where we were, or we are. We were. I don't look backwards. I'm not that same person that I was yesterday. So he could take us where he is. John 17, 21 and 23. And the glory with which you gave me, I have given them. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. Do you realize that he desires? You know, when we were, when we were singing this morning, all I could think about was his glory and his presence in this house this morning, how precious it was, and how, how fortunate we are to sit down in his presence And in his glory, we could be somewhere else doing something else. But we choose to be here in his presence and in his glory. And that is so powerful when we think about it. Father, I desire that that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. That is his biggest desire. I can imagine because only the Father knows the time and the hour. We know the season, but the Father knows the date. And Jesus, I'm sure, is saying to the the Lord, when, God? When? I'm ready for them. Do you know how much it hurts him to watch us go through what's going on down here right now? To see people yielding to temptations that the enemy throws their way instead of yielding themselves over to God I can't even we can't even imagine it but does anybody have the amplified in that scripture is it any is it much different um, verse John 17 21 through 23 I'll get there this, I'm going to be honest right now. I feel like just crying. I feel like turning back on the tape and just sitting in the presence of God and just worshiping Him and crying. John 17, 21 and 23. That, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, so that the world may believe that I am, believe and be convinced that you have sent me. I have given to them the glory and the honor which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you and me, in order that they may become one and perfectly united, that the world may know and I and definitely recognize that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Does the do people know this about you? 
Do they see this in you? I know this is a heavy sermon, but, you know, like I, I gave you the scripture in the New King James Version, John 17, 21 and 23, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. He's given us the glory that God gave him. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that I may behold and they may behold my glory which you have given me. Do you know that we can tap into that glory here on this earth in our prayer closet with him in our time with him in our time with the Holy Spirit, with the Word. If the God you serve allows you to rationalize carnality, make light of disobedience, and feel comfortable in sin, you are serving a God of your own making. This is a heavy thing. Not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't fabricate a God that is that your flesh is comfortable with. Let's get through the enablement of the Holy Spirit and through the Word, an exalted view of God that simply means to see Him as He really is. Then we'll do what Psalms 34, 3 says and has declared through the ages. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I know this is a heavy, heavy thing. And I know some of you have, are inviting people to your house. God, my prayer is, and to different places, different people are doing different things this week, that they are going to see the glory of God in you like never before like nothing you have ever experienced. You know, when people, people should be coming up to you and saying, there's something different about you, what is it? When you walk in a room or you're in a class or wherever, there's something different about you. At your work, there's something different about you. God is in this hour, and I thank you, Lord, he is opening doors for you that no man can shut. And you will, I'm saying this to many of you here, you will stand there and shake your head at places where God will take you. I'm not saying that there are going to be some rocky roads through to get there because the enemy sees the glory of God that's within you and the glory of God upon you. And he's not going to like it, but you know what? It doesn't matter. The doors that God opens, no man can shut. And that's what, that, is, that is what we live for. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 I hope this has inspired each one of you. I know it has me. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh to you. To the end. Okay, let's see. Let's go up to verse 10. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. This is the two I want. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. 
even our Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. It says in, in the Amplified, and may the Lord make you to increase. You need to just say this. As I say this, God make me increase. The Lord God make you to increase and excel and overflow in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may strengthen and confirm and establish your hearts faultlessly, pure and unblameable in holiness in the sight of our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, with all his saints, the holy and glorified people of God. Amen. So be it. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but this sermon turned me really turned me on. I don't know about you, but it really did a lot for me um, as I was preparing for it this morning. I said, God, this is really powerful. What he's saying in a nutshell is get ready and get holy as quick. You know, make yourself. May work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If there's stuff and junk that is out there, get rid of it now. Don't try to fit Jesus into a mold that he isn't because he won't go there. Amen? Okay, ushers, if you'll come forward so we can receive this morning's tithes and offerings. This is the ad fund. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Philippians 4, 6. Thank you, Christine. You did a great job. Whitney, want to pray over this?